pals. Hey friends, how's everybody doing? We're just trying to get by, right? The number of articles that I've seen that are like, are you hitting another pandemic wall? And I'm like, okay, there's no need to, like, how is everyone getting published writing the same thing? Like, I'm tired. It's been a long, it's like, we're all tired. You know, we've all been doing this for a whole year, a whole year. So we're all tired. But I guess I hope you guys are staying warm. I don't know. I'm staying warm by listening to hotel, hotels, hotels, <laughs> hotels, hotel, motel, holiday inn. Um, hotels by Jasmine Sullivan, the album. Um, I just like, I do get in my feelings, you know? Um, but I hope y'all are too. Keeping me warm. Uh, not even for a moment this episode while I'll be discussing the weird Jed Dylan Barber bachelorette drama. Um, which is obviously out of character for me, but I need content. I I just can't have like two boys, like kind of vaguely being like, we were like, he was edited poorly. Like, it's so weird. I don't fully understand what's going on. So we're not going to invest our time in that. We're honestly not even going to invest our time in the fact that apparently Jeff Bezos is stepping down as the Amazon CEO. He said he's going to work on more philanthropic causes, which I think is funny because I think Mackenzie divorced him, took all his money, started donating it, and it made him look bad. So he shined his head in the mirror and he said, Jeff, you get out there. But he's still Amazon's biggest shareholder. So, like, let's not for a moment believe that he's like, I'm a good person, she says as she immediately adds something to cart. That buy it now feature will really... It'll really get you, won't it? Okay, anyway, let's not talk about my shopping habits uh, because those are embarrassing. Let's talk about the more embarrassing thing that is a woman yelling at LeBron James while she was at a basketball game. Um, We're also going to talk about Golden Globe nominations. Um, I'm going to scream at people who have been coming for Chloe Bailey. I'm not interested. I'm not even going to fully give my energy to Morgan Wallen, but I am going to talk about it as well as um, Tiffany Haddish has got some things on on, uh, the internet that I've been watching. So we'll talk about that too. Um, I mean, like, I don't know that I've hit a wall, but I am just exhausted of it all. Wow, that rhymes. Am I a rapper? Um, No, I'm not. Let's catch up. Okay, our first story initially I was very angry about, and then I realized, you know what? We've all been trapped in our homes for almost a year, and this lady finally got out, and she acted like it. Um, I'm just kidding. She still is so poorly behaved. Um, if you have not seen the video, I woke up to them the other morning. This woman who decided to heckle LeBron James, of all people, during a pandemic. So the Los Angeles Lakers, I'm sure you're familiar, which uh, LeBron James currently plays for. Not sure if all of you were familiar for that. with that. Um, they were playing in Atlanta. Uh, which is embarrassing for me as I'm from Georgia. And this woman who LeBron deemed a courtside Karen, which is incredible, but her government name is Juliana Carlos starts yelling at him. Now she goes on to claim in an Instagram video that she later deleted that she, and she also had all the filters on in the video. She said that LeBron said he was going to F her husband up and that LeBron started all of this. Now keep in mind, this is a basketball game aka LeBron James place of employment and this woman was sitting courtside with her husband now it would appear that that's something that they do relatively often whether or not a pandemic is happening I will not judge the nature of her relationship with her husband but you can look them up and judge them on your own time okay all right so the NBA reviewed the audio and the Hawks apparently did too to see if LeBron actually was in the wrong 
Um, and the only thing LeBron can be heard saying as he passes this couple is, quote, old steroids, which after you look up the pictures, you will howl. Um, apparently, years and years, this man has been seated courtside at Hawks games with or without Juliana. He's posted pictures of LeBron before, like near him while he's been sitting courtside. So there's a part of me that wonders if this is not the first altercation. I don't know that, though. But Juliana goes absolutely nuts. She is screaming and like coming at and gesturing at LeBron James of all people, founder of a free charter school in his own neighborhood, LeBron, never had a scandal to his name, LeBron, married to his high school sweetheart and father of three children with said high school sweetheart, LeBron James. That's who you're yelling at, ma'am? That's who you have the audacity to say you'll fight? Honey, sweetie, precious. If he put his pinky on your forehead, he'd lay you out. And he never would because LeBron James would not lay his hands on a woman. So what is this? During a pandemic, trying to get in the face of LeBron James, of the most well-known basketball player currently playing. Honey, what? The star of Amy Schumer's train wreck, LeBron? <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, but she was escorted out. I think she should be banned because I think that's funny. But then she goes on to post a statement after the fact because obviously everyone was like, what is this, honey? Drake commented something on the ESPN post that was just like, uh, gotten to those season ticket holder mojitos, or something, which was very funny. But she posted a statement after the fact, which I was initially going to read it. And then I was like, absolutely not. I'm not even going to do that. Um, she framed the incident, like if you had not seen the video, she framed the incident like it was just two adults at an event where they were serving the exact same purpose and things got a bit heated. No, ma'am, you were at an event where your job is to sit, eat, drink, and cheer, and you begin to scream and physically charge a very large man who is doing his job, which you claim to enjoy watching. So no, things did not get a little heated. You misbehaved and you... Uh, got recorded doing it and had you been on the street you would have called the police on this large black man after you provoked him so uh, now I guess we have to all cheer for the Lakers because this is deeply embarrassing for the Atlanta Hawks normally the Hawks Twitter is pretty funny so I'm sad that they didn't like retweet the courtside care thing or something like that but I guess that man probably gives them a lot of money as a season ticket holder but could have been golden Jesus take the wheel watch basketball from your home because we're in a pandemic anyway Please, you know, that, that mask was just falling off her face while she was yelling how she was going to beat up LeBron. <laughs> that's not mojitos. That's drugs. You can't seriously believe that. <laughs> oh, the joy of my life is, is coming to us soon. Um, it is Amy Poehler and Tina Fey hosting the Golden Glimpse together again. Uh, now this year, they're doing it by coastally. So Tina will be in New York, Amy will be in LA. Uh, Tina will be in the Rainbow Room, Amy will be in, um, I don't remember, I didn't write it down, sorry. Um, but they're so important. And if you haven't already watched their previous stints as hosts, um, and you don't consider those your comfort videos, I don't know what to tell you. They tell this iconic joke about George Clooney getting the Lifetime Achievement Award that I will never forget as long as I live. Um, but let's hop into nominations. We'll talk more about the logistics of them having this bicoastal um, ceremony later on. Um, so we'll start with films, which y'all know that I probably haven't seen most of these because I will easily watch a limited series before a movie. And I don't know why I'm like this, um, but I'll just run down um, what seemed notable. 
enough to me. So Golden Globe 2021 nominations, despite the fact that 2020 was primarily dominated by a pandemic and we were not allowed out of our houses. But let's give out awards anyway. Best Motion Picture Drama, um, The Father, not familiar, Monk, not familiar, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Promising Young Woman, which I do want to see, and The Trial of the Chicago 7, which y'all know I actually enjoyed. Uh, best motion picture musical or comedy Borat subsequent movie film which I didn't realize that that was actually the title of that Hamilton music which I've never heard of Palm Springs which I fell asleep during and The Prom which was good but okay and speaking of things that um, made people go okay in other nominations best tv series comedy the first one is Emily in Paris so apparently nothing is sacred the thing about Emily in Paris is that there are other TV shows like Emily in Paris, right? That we watch, that we laugh, that we all talk about on Netflix, on Hulu, on ABC, on on Freeform, whatever. There are all of these, these TV shows about young, hot people doing young, hot people things. And we like them and we all consume them and we talk about them. But we do not think that they should receive awards. So I don't know what's going on. Because on the flip side, the reason that people are also very angry about the Emily in Paris situation is that um, I May Destroy You, I had to remember what it was called because I didn't even write this down, by Michaela Cole, her show on HBO, was not nominated for anything. And there are multiple people who consider that the best TV show of the year, the best piece of content they consumed all year. So it's very, very strange that there was not a single nomination for this like legendary um, comedic performance, well, dark comedic, dark comedy performance I guess but and that Emmeline Paris was nominated and not just for best tv series Lily Collins was nominated it's like very weird so anyway other best tv series nominations Emmeline Paris The Flight Attendant which I just refuse to watch because it just seems like another like weird kind of big little lies vein where you like open up the show with a crime and then it's like for eight episodes you figure out whether or not the person that everyone thought did it did it it's like the undoing too I get that that's for some of y'all. It's just not for me. It also has Kaylee Cuoco starting as a flight attendant who, like, she thinks she killed someone. I don't know. I just don't know. But I guess it was good enough to get a Golden Globe or someone worked hard enough like they did for Emily in Paris. Um, the Great, which seems like so long ago and was a funnier Bridgerton, I, I think we could say. Schitt's Creek, uh, which, you know, too little, too late, but okay. And Ted Lasso, which... I'll tell you, I enjoyed Ted Lasso, but I feel like I constantly see white women post about loving the show. And I'm like, you can just admit you love Jason Sudeikis and keep it moving, Heather. Okay, it's not a crime. And he's recently separated. So, you know, put, put, tag him, put, put, put yourself out there. Shoot your shot. Um, anyway, uh, best TV series drama, The Crown, Yawn. Lovecraft Country, which that seems like so long ago, but this was the first nomination when I was reading through them that I read that I was like invigorated by. Yes, deserved. Okay. The Mandalorian, which people love, but I'm not one of them. Ozark, I still haven't gotten into it, but it's always nominated. And Ratchet, which I couldn't finish, but congrats to Sarah Paulson, who I adore. Um, best limited series or TV movie. Uh, it would appear that this is my category. I am a limited series of a woman. Uh, we've got Normal People, we've got Small Acts, we've got The Queen's Gambit, we've got The Undoing, and we've got Unorthodox. I am into this, right? Like, feels right, feels like 
different and hardworking and things that everyone watched and was talking about. We'd love to, we love to see it. Um, critically acclaimed and popular. I feel like that's what the Golden Globes are anyway, right? Um, okay, so then when we get into personal singular nominations, I'm not going to dig into them too much, but first is you should know that Chadwick was posthumously nominated for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Um, so I teared up when I read that. Obviously, a lot of people speculated that he would. A lot of people feel like he will probably win. So I feel like that's going to be incredibly emotional. James Corden was nominated for The Prom on the complete opposite end of emotions. Uh, Kate Hudson was nominated for Music, which again, I don't... Is, is that the story of the autistic girl that Maddie Ziegler is in that we talked about briefly? I know it's my job to know and your job to learn here, but I refuse to engage too deeply into these nominations because there's just so many for the Globes because it's both film and TV, if you weren't already familiar. And the sadness of not having them in person because the Globes are the only award show with alcohol, like, really is bumming me out. So I'm not doing too much work, but because the celebs kind of get a little lit, you know, which is fun. Uh, Sasha Baron Cohen is nominated for both uh, Trial of the Chicago 7 and the Borat sequel. So that's exciting for him. I'm going to go ahead and tell you right now, TV nominations, very white, very white. And like, there's a lot of applause for the director category for film because there are three women. Two of them are women of color. One of them being the Regina King, the Regina King um, for One Night in Miami. But like otherwise, TV nominations, very white. Maybe there weren't any people of color on TV this year. I don't think that that's true, but Michaela Cole was just kind of staring them in the face, I guess. Don Cheadle's nominated for Black Monday, and Rami Youssef is nominated for Rami, but the women are white. Shira Haas is nominated for Unorthodox in the limited series category, but that's about as diverse as you're going to get with the women. Uh, Lily Collins is nominated for Emily in Paris, like I said, so I feel like I, I watched that show wrong, maybe. I don't know. Um, like, that show's being nominated its first year, and they're just now throwing Catherine O'Hara a bone. Someone stabbed me. I just, I can't. The whole crew from The Crown, Josh O'Connor, Olivia Coleman, who we know I love, Emma Corrin, Kate Blanchett for Mrs. America. They called Dan Levy and Annie Murphy supporting for Schitt's Creek, so the whole main four are nominated. Again, a lot of Ozark, Jason Bateman, Laura Linney. I feel like Laura Linney's always nominated, so maybe I should get into it, but I started, it was just so dark. Like, physically, it looked very dark. Like, people kept saying the last season of Game of Thrones. I don't know, I never watched it. There was a Starbucks cup in a scene. Dragons. Dragons. Um, the fact that the Globes also no nominated Jane Levy for Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist makes me personally happy, but generally a bit confused. And I, I wonder if this is like a reflection of the pandemic, right? Like Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist, um, Emily in Paris, these are shows that like brought people joy and were very bright, I guess, in the midst of everything. But I don't know. Like I said, a lot of like rah-rah for the three out of the six directors nominated being women. So we don't need feminism anymore. We got half of the best director nominations and that's all we wanted, right? It was like 50%. Um, but I am happy for Regina King. As you guys know, this podcast stands Regina King. We stand by her endlessly. Um, the Oscar winning moment where Chris Evans walked her up the stairs is really important to me. The Emmy winning moment when she was wearing Breonna Taylor's picture um, with a powerful pink suit. We love Regina King here. We actually love all Regina's King, Hall, Spectre, <laughs> deep cut. Um, but the ceremony is later. I think it's in March, April this year. So I'm sure that I will follow up then with how I felt about Amy and Tina, which I'm sure will be delightful.
All right, so who do we have to fight in these streets? Because people are coming for Chloe Bailey, and I won't have it. First of all, she's 22. She's grown. Y'all need to stay out of grown folks' business, okay? Second of all, I think it's very strange that people like to comment on young women's Instagrams and be like, you're being too sexy. It's none of your business. Just because you watched her on YouTube when she was like 10 doesn't mean you can comment when she does the busted challenge when she's 22. Now, you're jealous because she got knees, Okay. I think that's the problem, because I know that's why I'm jealous. <laughs> These children are out here, and they're dropping it, and then they're able to pick it back up. How many weeks in a row will I talk about this challenge and the fact that it's so impressive? Anyway, this poor girl then went on Instagram Live. Oh, okay, so this is also some uh, background. Is it Chloe and Hallie? I'm talking Chloe Bailey of Chloe and Hallie. Chloe and Hallie have always had a joint Instagram. They just split it. I am under the impression that they split it because Hallie's doing Little Mermaid, so I'm assuming she's going to have to do promotion and that they asked her to split it. I don't know that for a fact. That's just my assumption. So the girls split their Instagrams, and they have singular Instagrams for the first time ever. So Chloe's out here posting some things on the Instagrams, okay? She's posting some things. People have a lot to say. Honestly, they have too much to say. No one asks them. Now, this girl gets on Instagram Live. She gets a little teary. She starts crying and basically being like, I have ha always had a hard time finding myself, like, attractive. So, like, I get a little confused because people have, like, such an uproar when they think that I'm doing things that are sexy, but I've never seen myself that way. So, I feel like, first of all, people need to stay away from her. And second of all, she does need to go to therapy. I do think she was like very honest in being like, listen, don't change who you are to make society feel comfortable, which is so valid. Um, and Gabrielle Union was like, we got you. It's hard to fly when people are attacking you, but you're never alone, which like we love Gab always. Um, but I'm ready to fight because what we're not going to do is like this 22 year old just got an Instagram of her own for the first time because she's had a joint one with her sister for so long. And now her sister has been cast in a Disney movie and she's just out here trying to do a TikTok challenge because she's 20 freaking two. And that's what they do. Okay. So let her live. See, mm, this is my first question. And my next question, my next question is about a grown man who doesn't get nearly the flack. Okay. I'm angry. I'm angry. <laughs> All right. So I've got a question this week and I feel like it's, it's uh, pretty obvious how I feel about this, but, um, I, mm, I thought about, I was like, how do I want to phrase this question? So what I've written down is, do I have to talk about Morgan Wallen doing exactly what I expect him to do? Because I just, I don't, I, like, I think that's the only question that I have is like, do we have to discuss it? Because like, my question isn't like, wait, what? Like, my question isn't, Honestly, my question might actually be like, were you surprised the way that his record label reacted? Because that was, I was. So the gist of the situation, if you are not familiar, is Morgan Wallen, who is a country singer um, who is beloved by many, um, you know, people. Um, a video was released of him by TMZ this weekend where he used the N-word. Um, I know. Whoop. Did you pull over? <laughs> Pause for shock. 
Clutch Your Pearls. Um, if you, so like I said, Country Singer previously discussed him on this podcast because the week that he was supposed to go on a once in a lifetime opportunity um, Saturday Night Live, he was kissing 19 year olds in a bar in Alabama during the pandemic. He is my age, um, which I did not know that until this week. I wrote that down a little later. I'm going to tell you why. So this past week, videos released of him, hard R use, not shocking. Uh, he starts getting dropped left, right, and center. Record label suspends him indefinitely. Radio stations stop playing his music. He releases a statement that I'm going to attempt to read to all of you without laughing out loud. Um, his statement is also just really quickly. I do think it's kind of funny that this is a video from like this past weekend or something because normally what people do is like it's a video from two years ago. So they'll just be like, I was young and I didn't know better, but I've grown and I've changed. But like it was just from last weekend. So his statement couldn't do that. So this is what his statement says, quote, I'm embarrassed and sorry, period. I used an unacceptable and inappropriate racial slur that I wish I could take back. There are no excuses to use this type of language, comma, ever, period. At least he didn't lie, right? He didn't say, like, this isn't the type of language I use and this is not who I am. Because we all know this is who he is. Fun fact, his dad's a pastor. Um, I think I've said this on this podcast before, but I'm always curious about the emotional reaction towards black people when a white person does something like this. Like, does he genuinely attempt to grow from this and work to do better? Like, like a Hannah Brown, she's a really good and rare example of someone who genuinely was kind of, she seemed really shocked, which is kind of weird. But then she was like, I'm so terribly sorry. She went silent for a couple of weeks, which I was really angry about at the time. I was like, honestly, how dare you hide? Like, come out here and face us. And then when she did come back, she was like, I've done some work and I've learned some things and I've gone to some people and I've sought some people out. And I was really impressed by her willingness to be educated. And I don't know if she's still doing that, but I do think it's a rare example of someone who instead of cowering away, which is what I thought she was doing initially, she took the initiative to be like, I'm going to be better. Because I feel like that's not the case. I feel like the case has to be the other, which is like a considerable and growing resentment towards black people and people of color because he has lost so much as a result of saying this word. You know what I mean? I'm just always curious. Um, now, another thing, if I work for him, I'm big mad, right? Because he as they say on Twitter, keeps fumbling the bag. Now, I don't personally listen to his music because I've always looked at him and kind of known, but a lot of people do and a lot of people love him and apparently his new release is doing particularly well. So the fact that this video has just been released is obviously not funny at all, but like his agent, his manager, even like the merch intern must be pissed. Like you cannot act right for just three business days so the check can clear. First, we had the SNL thing, which we covered previously. Now this. Next, he'll get a DUI or something. It's nonstop. And I would say it's sad, but then I looked up his age, and our mothers could have been in the hospital simultaneously. He was born a week after May. So absolutely not. Also, when I was looking up his age, I found out he was on The Voice, which I did not know. Um, and they are still spinning around in those chairs, cranking out seasons. Seems like six a year, even a pandemic. But, oh, I also learned when I looked up his age that the chain of events that I listed out earlier, hypothetically, jokingly, SNL, DUI, now um, inward, actually, he did get a drunken disorderly, not a DUI, before SNL back in May, outside of Kid Rock's bar in Nashville, which I cannot even judge him for because I have been there. So that's something else we have in common. 
Okay, the first thing that I'm going to recommend that we watch, listen, and pay attention to this week is a, I believe, what those in the industry call a docu-short. Um, it's it's pretty much my up my alley. It's 13 minutes short subject documentary is what it is being called. It's on New York Times. I will post a link in the show notes. And it is the story of this Emmy winning composer, Chris Bowers, um, talking to his 91 year old grandfather about his journey from leaving his home in the Jim Crow South and going to Los Angeles and um, how him and his wife started a business and then the legacy that they have and the story between Chris and um, his grandfather. And it's, it's really beautiful. I'm getting emotional just thinking about it. It's a really beautiful story because I feel like it's so rare that you just see like two black men sit down and discuss like really intimately the details of their life. And so they talk about Chris's journey and music and becoming a composer and he's done a lot of like really successful he did Bridgerton he did uh Green Book I want to say he's I mean he's like literally won awards um but uh he worked with Ava DuVernay on When They See Us which we all know how I feel about When They See Us and um Ava came on board to help produce this documentary so um he goes into his journey and they talk with his grandfather about, um, you know, just what it was like to hitchhike across America as a black man in the 1940s. It's a really beautiful story. It's they have a really beautiful relationship. Um, and I don't know, it's just cool because obviously we don't just sit down and um, talk to composers. Oh, it's called a conversation in concerto. Con- yeah, I'm not classy, um, but it's a really beautiful conversation, I thought. Like I said, it's 13 minutes. I'll post the link. It's nothing super crazy, but I just think that it's like a nice story and a beautiful family relationship. And I've said beautiful a bunch of times, but I don't know how else to describe it because I'm not smart and I don't really understand composing music. I like found it fascinating and I honestly wanted him to talk more about the um, process of composing because I was like, I don't even know how you sit down at a piano and just like write a song. (laughs) so crazy so anyway it's a great story um like I said 13 minutes super easy to watch and um very cool very different okay let's get back to my personality and not a sweet documentary about a concerto (laughs) um uh, things that are available there's a new um day ready which is basically tiffany haddish bringing her friends into the limelight which is so kind and genuine and i really think it's like only kind of friend we want in this world so it's just a few episodes of stand-ups i'll go ahead and tell you right now some of them are enjoyable some of them less so but if all you need is like some new stand-up in your life or maybe you want like a little giggle but you can't commit to an hour it's called tiffany haddish presents day ready it's on netflix it's the second season so if you have not watched the first You've got a lot available. You should know that it was filmed during the pandemic, though, which I have mixed feelings about. Um, Also, speaking of Tiffany, I finally watched Yearly Departed on Amazon Prime, which is chock full of my um, favorite funny women. Um, It's worth noting, it's a look back over 2020. So if you're like over it, I wouldn't do it. It's not, it's like more general than it is specific if that makes any sense so there isn't like a lengthy discussion about murder hornets it's like rest in peace pants 
like we don't wear pants anymore so that's kind of the vibe it's got natasha leggero z-way natasha rothwell sarah silverman phoebe robinson hosts it's a good crew um there's uh, uh rachel brosnahan which feels like amazon just put her in there you know what i mean like looking at i could see a group text where like um natasha rothwell z-way phoebe robinson um this one other little like dainty white woman or like we should do this thing and then someone's like oh I was just talking to Sarah Silverman and Tiffany Haddish and so they get them involved and then Amazon's like sure we'll host it but Rachel Brosnahan has to be in it and it's like okay um but it's still good it's funny um there's a new show on Netflix starring Katherine Heigl and Sarah Chalk I stared at my screen for probably close to three minutes trying to decide if I even wanted to give it a try because y'all know I'm a sucker for friendship but this seems like it takes place in three different time periods, which I did not know until I watched the trailer. Like, it's, like, the teenage years, probably 20s, and presumably, like, 40s, like, late 40s. Based on TV tropes, I'm assuming one of the two has gotten divorced, just spitballing. So it kind of reminds me of, like, this is us from a timing perspective, you know what I mean? And I hate the idea that this is going to be a thing that we try to make work because it only works on This Is Us because of Mandy and Milo, okay? Thank you so much. So I tried I Hate Susie on HBO instead. Do not get me wrong. I love a British comedy so much. I do feel like this one was dragging its feet a little. It's definitely enjoyable, but I would not read anything about it. Like I read an article about it and I was like, oh, I that sounds interesting and funny. So then I started it and then I already knew like the quote big reveal kind of. So once I knew the premise, I feel like the big secret was really being dragged. So I was less into it. I also watched, I finally watched One Night in Miami on Amazon Prime, which as we previously discussed, got Regina King a Golden Globe nod. Um, I need to watch The Little Things with Denzel Washington. Apparently, Jared Leto was nominated for that, which feels disrespectful. Like, it's a Denzel film that Jared Leto was nominated. Oh, and speaking of Denzel Washington, his son, John David Washington, is in um, Malcolm and Marie with Zendaya. And it looks very good, but also, like, too serious for me. You know what I mean? Like, it looks very good and I'm going to watch it. But I also can acknowledge that, like, I am not the target audience for this because I... Um, we'll probably start rewatching Veep soon. You know what I mean? Um, but a lot of good movies out there for movie people. So I'm excited for you guys. You guys have like a real moment. And if you aren't already paying for HBO, you should, because apparently that's the real team up right there. So HBO was like, none of y'all are going to the theater, but you'll pay us $15 a month to watch your movie theater movies at home. Home box office. They nailed it, huh? <laughs> Well, that is all for this week, other than the fact that I personally refuse to believe the fact that A-Rod is cheating on J-Lo in any way, because one, they proved that that old ex is just trying to extort him and J-Lo, and two, I don't think that he would cheat on J-Lo with Madison LaCroix, because I think he is so obsessed with J-Lo. He is traveling all, like, I don't even know how these people are traveling cross-country during a pandemic to have affairs. Like, are you joking? The other night, I scratched off the back of a gift card with a hair clip because I refused to get up and find a coin. Like, I don't know what these people are doing. I can't believe it. Speaking of what I don't know what these people are doing, I read an article the other day that literally said this. I wrote it down because I was like, I don't understand what's going on. <laughs> it said, Lil Uzi Vert pierced his forehead with a $24 million pink diamond. So... I guess that's where he's at 
in this pandemic. You know what? As I paused for dramatic effect, I realized, you know what? We're all handling this in different ways. And if his way cost $24 million and mine just cost $50 on skincare, you know, we'd live different lives. And that's fine. That's on him. I will say this very quickly before I go. I understand that the recent revelation for millennials is a lot. Um, now, those of us who are millennials who have been on TikTok for months knew all of these things that people are just coming to realize, which are also explicitly for white women. These are not things for anyone else, right? Uh, the children on TikTok are saying, don't side part your hair, you middle part your hair. That's for white women, okay? If you're not a white woman, you're fine. Don't let them tell you what to do with their <laughs> with your hair. They're also saying that the crying laughing emoji makes you look old, so you use other emojis. Use whatever emojis your heart desires. Now the last one I have some thoughts on, and I'm going to try and say this without sounding rude, but it might. The children are also saying skinny jeans are out. Now, similar to emojis, if you love skinny jeans, wear them. But I'm going to go ahead and tell you something. Stylistically, we've been moving towards a wider leg for years now, and if you're just now noticing it, it's on you, okay? I hate to be rude. If you follow these, like, fashion bloggers, why did I just call them that? That's not what these women are. These women in the South who just post Target and Amazon clothes, which, don't get me wrong, I love, but if that's all that they post and they are constantly in a skinny pant, it's because they're a skinny person. They are not aware of trends or styles. They just put on whatever they are sent, okay? So don't let them guide you towards staying in a skinny jean if you like a wider leg. I cannot believe that I'm saying this on a recorded medium. I just need you to know that like there are wide leg jeans that work for short people. Don't let anyone tell you that either. If you need to talk about this, come to me. I'm really more than willing to discuss. This is the one topic that I'm really more than willing to discuss because I just don't want anyone to feel like they are being stuck in a hole stylistically either because of TikTok or because they are trying to rebel against TikTok. If you're not paying attention and you don't care what's trendy and you just wear what you wear, go with God. Truly, go with God. But if you want to move away from the skinny jean, talk to me. It's something I feel really passionate about. Just just talk to me. Thanks for catching up. Let's go shopping sometimes. Goodbye.